Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Jazz Mostert, and you're listening it to... Is, look, it's Inside great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so... Um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead, you could say. It's just, it's, they're just, just <laughs> good racing and I enjoy it. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to Inside Supercars for another week. And we're joined after a busy Woodstock Winton Super Sprint, the voice of Winton Motor Raceway. Well, certainly last weekend and normally the voice of Wakefield Park, it is Lachlan Mansell. Good evening, Lockie. Good evening, Craig. Vocal cords are struggling still a little bit after talking pretty much non-stop for three days in a row. But what an awesome weekend it was. Three days of beautiful weather and a fantastic crowd as well. Mm. And uh, it was a big, big weekend in so many different ways. We'll be definitely talking about that throughout this weekend. And also joining us, and I believe it's the first time we've had Tom Wordsley and Lachlan Mansell together. And Tom, it's great to have you back on the show. Uh, It's good to be back. It's uh, been a little while, but looking forward to having a a good chat as always. Yep, it's going to be an interesting time because, uh, well... The news is that Winton is quite confident that you are going to be able to keep the V8 supercars on your calendar for a lot longer still. And Lachlan, with 90,000 people coming through the door, that's the uh, perfect way to show how relevant racing in the country is. It was the biggest crowd that we've had at a Winton supercars event for quite a number of years. And I think that's a reflection of the hard work that was put in by the Winton team including the operations manager Wayne Williams and his dedicated team of staff in promoting the event and also the assistance that we received from the local government. So both the Benalla and the Wangaratta councils got right behind us and did a lot to help us promote and in the lead-up. Um, local media outlets in the northeast of the Victorian region were very supportive of us this year. And also, I think, just the quality of racing in the supercars this year, the fact that there's been so many different winners, so many different championship leaders, and nobody really staking a claim to be a championship favourite at this stage. It's been absolutely unpredictable, and unpredictability is what brings fans through the gate because they don't know who's going to win, and they want to be there to find out. Um, So, yeah, really a, a sensational weekend, I mean... You know, a crowded number of almost 90,000 is just beyond everyone's expectations, really. I mean, we were optimistically hoping for maybe 75,000 over the three days. So to get to almost 90,000 was um, beyond what we'd hoped for. Um, and as you say, the um, negotiations have already started with uh, Chris Lewis-Williams, the Chief Executive Officer of the Benalla Auto Club Group, um, of which Winton Motor Raceway is is a big part, um, already starting with um, state, local and federal governments and also um, supercars to uh, try and lock down, hopefully, a long-term deal to see the supercars returning to the nation's action track. Mm. And, Tom, your impressions of the weekend? Because uh, there was so much on and off the track that we, we will be talking about, but what was your immediate impressions? I think... The, the crowd was definitely something you, you couldn't miss. It, uh, you know, the, 
the step up from previous years to this year is, is just astounding. And Winton turned it on. You know, it's it's a track that's uh, often referred to as as miserable, but the weather was perfect. Uh, you know, there was great action on track. Uh, you know, it's the facilities you could actually tell were better than previous years, thanks to some investment by uh, <clears throat> by the Victorian government. Um, do I think there could be some more improvements made for facilities-wise? Yes, but being a regional circuit, it um, doesn't really get the, the same amount of love that places like Phillip Island, Sydney Motorsport Park, and even the ad hoc tracks like Townsville get. Um, just because of its location. Mm. It's it's going to be uh, interesting to see, Lockie, how you can build on this because uh, with the campground sold out and, um, you know, so many other things that were going on in the in the lead-up, it's, uh, it's going to be tough to be able to keep building when you're already at capacity. It's almost like you're going to have to open up more camping sites. Well, there's always room for improvement, and thanks to the modern-day wonders of social media, um, all of the people who attended the event on the weekend had a mouthpiece to give us real-time feedback about their experience over the weekend, and I think as part of the debrief process, um, which will happen in the coming weeks, it'll be a case of us sitting down, analysing some of that feedback, um, and looking to improve the experience of the fans. So while it was good that we had very strong crowd numbers, there's always room to make sure that they're enjoying the experience, that they go away and they tell their friends what a great time they had and that we get even more people back for subsequent years. Mm. Now, as we go to air, Tom, uh, as we um, just turn our attention away before the break from... Um, from Winton as we are waiting with bated breath and I'm sure we're all checking our emails and Twitter feeds as uh, we do this show on a Tuesday night and it is tonight when they're expecting to make the announcement on the KL race and the future of the KL race. Um, I know I was doing a lot of work on the weekend trying to find out whether they had to have 14 or 15 rounds to uh, complete their television deal and uh, I believe it's 14 rounds so they can drop KL without having to have a makeup round like they had done in the past with China and with um, with Bahrain when those events had been uh, um, uh, cancelled. Yeah, D-Day for the um, highly speculated Kuala Lumpur race. It's, uh, it's interesting that you you dig into it and find out that they've, the TV deal was based around 14 rounds because it makes you wonder how confident uh, James Warburton and Supercars were about it actually taking place, if, if that's the case. It's, uh, they promised a 15 champion, uh, sorry, 15 championship rounds for 2016, and if, if the contract said for 14, you, you have to wonder about just how uh, how in doubt it was from the outset. Mm. Oh, well, I actually, I don't look at it that uh, pessimistically because last year was 14 events, um, and I'd say that was the baseline figure. I do remember speaking to Tony Cochran years ago saying, can you afford to lose a couple of cars? And he had said at that time, when they had 31 cars and they were dropping back to 30, that they only had to um, they only had to have, I think it was 29 at the time, turn up. 
to fulfill their contractual obligations. So I would say that from past lessons learnt, you always give yourself, you know, a little bit of breathing room when it comes to those sort of contractual deals. Lockie, what, what's your take on that? Um, <clears throat> well, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the background over there, hasn't there, with various lawsuits and different promoters coming in and out and the local government getting involved. And well, it, it seems to be a bit of a basket case. And if I was a betting man, I'd probably have to say at the moment that I don't think it'll happen. Um just because of the instability that there seems to be over there at the moment. I mean, I might be surprised, but um, I, I think the worst part of this is it's not really anything that V8 supercars can control or do anything about. I mean, it's not their fault that what has happened over there has happened. Um, so uh, it'd be pretty unfortunate after the work that they did to put the deal together if it, if it had to get called off. But unfortunately, that's the reality of what they might be faced with. Yeah, it is going to be an interesting time, and and well, I know Bruce Newton had uh, written wrote a story uh, on Friday or maybe it was Saturday, saying that the plan was to hopefully get the event up in the month's break between New Zealand and and Sydney. However, you know you have to you have to ask yourself the question: Is this right for um, is this right for the series? on top of the fact that I was informed by some very learned people in the paddock that uh, the threat, the government threat alert for Malaysia had increased in the last week or so. So uh, obviously if the government's saying take all precautions when you're, you're travelling, take these precautions when you're travelling, it's a big thing to then take an entire championship series and a goodly number of their fans. Oh, absolutely, but... You also have to have to uh, wonder about all the people that booked their tickets in a in a frenzy when the event was announced. You know, if if the event doesn't happen, and you know, it's you've got a, a lot of people shelling out for what they thought was going to be a great motorsport trip, and then having to fill three days and um, find even even more tourist things to do. Or mind, have... mind you, mind you, there's probably worse things that you could do than go to Malaysia, enjoy the tropical weather at that time of the year, sit around the pool, eating sartes and drinking cocktails. Particularly when uh, we're living in the southern tablelands in New South Wales and the ACT, Lockie. Exactly right. <laughs> All right, a break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels with the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Tom Wordsley and also Lachlan Man. And Lachlan, Tim Slade wins two from two. It was uh, an impressive weekend because he set the pole on Saturday, won the race, and then from fourth position on Sunday drove a a great race, a smart race, which was also um, partly backed up by some very strong team strategy. And he came home with the chocolates. 
And a lot of people were surprised um, that, uh, you know, after maybe struggling a bit at some of the other events that he dominated the weekend in the way that he did. But there were some glimpses that that might happen at the pre-season official test day, especially, where he tops the times. And I know that we always say that you can't read too much into testing and that the teams that test at Winton don't necessarily have an advantage because of the way that the track evolves over a race weekend. But in this case, because of the recent resurfacing at Winton and the fact that the teams that were testing there had the opportunity to uh, understand the new surface, I think it might have been an advantage. And Brad Jones Racing, we've seen that they've had a pretty good record at Winton in the past with Jason Bright and Fabian Coulthard winning races there in previous years. So, yeah, really impressive performance from Tim. Good to see him finally breaking through, getting the monkey off the back for his first race victory um, since he came into the championship full-time back in 2009 and uh, has gave us our ninth different race winner for the year. And I think um, there's been eight different lead changes in the championship among seven different drivers who've been at the top of the points table at some stage during the season. So the unpredictable nature of the 2016 season continues. Yeah, and Tom, taking up that point, only one Queensland driver on the podium all weekend. It used to be, uh, it used to be the mindset of oh, home, home track curse and often you'd see the, the visitors dominating the weekend and uh, it's, it's gone the other way now. I think that the way the championship is it's so competitive that you can't actually predict who's going to be in form and you know even last year's standings are, are no indication of who's going to perform it's um you, know, you can read between the lines and go yes it's, it's bjr's home track but i don't think there is any home ground advantage particularly this year when there was a uh, was a new surface it's going to be interesting to see what might happen in the return leg at Queensland Raceway in July. But until then, the Victorian teams can take that moral victory with them. And as we know, that uh, works for Collingwood so many years after year. Um, Lockie, one thing that was an interesting thing that I heard said at the press conference on Sunday was the fact that uh, when... I asked uh, Mark Winterbottom about uh, the championship and and the lead that uh, he said, oh, it does matter to lead. Now, this is after, what, four years of when he's had the lead saying, oh, it doesn't matter, it's so early. Yeah, look, I, I, I think now that he's got the championship under his belt after so many years of trying to win it, there is that bit of a psychological supremacy that you can have by being in a position where you're leading the championship. And after the weekend, Wiesbottom does now lead the championship for the first time this year. But unlike last season, where he was qualifying on pole position and driving away from the field, and there were some weekends where he was dominant, this weekend he hasn't dominated at all. In fact, he's only had the one race victory but he's been mega consistent and that's where he's been able to chalk up the points. And he hasn't had any really bad races, whereas you look down at most of his key rivals, they've all had at least one bad result at some stage throughout the year. So it's a game of consistency and accumulating the points that have got Frosty at the top of the table this time. Mm. And, of course, the topsy-turvy nature, Tom, was on Saturday night 
we were talking about how Scott McLaughlin had the championship lead and he had a, well, I guess I can say a bit of a shocker on Sunday. Oh, it's, I think that would probably be a, an understatement. I think when you've seen Volvo turn around this year and McLaughlin become the first repeat winner of the year, uh, to then not be in contention after such a strong start to the year, it's... Uh, I'm sure he views it as <clears throat> worse than a shocker. Uh, I did find it interesting that, that Lockie said that Winterbottom hasn't had a bad race. You look at Perth and Saturday, Winterbottom had the worst of, of his season. And I think yeah, that that's, the way that's that, fair enough. Yeah, The way that the points are, are structured with this format this year, you've got a, essentially a half-points race on Saturday and a double-points race on Sunday. Um, no, you don't. They're both actually worth the same. Yeah. Both worth in fact, it's a double point race on Saturday compared to Sunday because you only have to do as half as much work to get the same amount of points. I take that back. Then I <laughs> shows shows I need to be on this show more often. Um, yeah, I think that to to see him still up the pointy end with having a shocker, it shows that uh, you know consistency is key. And the guys this year that aren't necessarily winning races, you know, they're still in the mix. If you look at um, look down the points board, Van Gisbergen, we've spoken about him a couple of times having average weekends, but he's still fifth and not far off off the top compared to the points difference of of uh, previous years. I think it's really going to be one of those nail-biter championships and there's going to be contenders right down to Homebush. Yeah, it is certainly a very close year. We should take a break here on Inside Supercars, but uh, plenty more out of the Winton weekend right after this. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as BS Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Lachlan Mansell and Tom Worsley. And, uh, Tom, just... Uh, well, it's interesting, actually, thinking about it. Both of you guys have been embedded at different stages in your working careers with Walk and Short Performance. And one thing that Mark Winterbottom uh, mentioned was that uh, the, F- the Pro Drive Racing Australia cars... Uh, throughout the weekend seemed to be magnetised to James Courtney uh, with both uh, what Cam Waters and James coming together in a official saying no no, um, no problems racing incident on Saturday and then Chas Mostert, of course, uh, coming into a heavy contact situation with the uh, number 22 on Sunday. From your experience having worked in the team, where do you actually think... Um, this team is at? 
I think the results... You've worked, yeah, I was just about to say, you've worked for them more recently than I have, Tom, so over to you. I think the results show where they're at. You know, the, uh, the fact that Tanda qualified 23rd on Saturday at their home track highlights uh, the sort of uh, crisis that the Holden Racing team's at. They moved to uh, just running two cars in the two HRT cars and not having a third car and a customer car like they did last year with Super Cheap Auto Racing and uh, Team 18. And they're still struggling. I think that there are some fundamental problems at that organisation. And I, I think if you look at some of the comments that have been made about why they don't purchase parts from other teams, you have to wonder if that's the right decision because if they are outdated parts, they were being beaten by, by these particular teams six months ago. So I think um, there are some wrong decisions being made. Mm. What about, yeah, Lockie, as you said, it's, what, a, two years or three years now since you were in, in and around the team? A bit over two years now. Um, so I sort of left the, the Holden Motorsport PR agency just as Adrian Burgess was taking over. And when he came into the team, I remember there was a lot of optimism that he was going to be the great hope to come in and turn the team's fortunes around. But so far, it hasn't really happened despite the restructure and despite the fact that they've scaled back to two cars. And when you consider that Holden, as a manufacturer, is yet to confirm what sort of involvement it's going to have in sponsorship for the Supercars Championship for next year and beyond, and whether it's even going to continue to support Walkinshaw Racing in any capacity, um, be it as the official factory team or as a more minor sponsorship or otherwise. bit of a uh, worrying time for what Ryan Walkinshaw and the guys there, and let's not forget too that Garth Tander and James Courtney are both out of contract at the end of this season as well, so you sense that there might be some turbulent times ahead for that team. Just as a, a side note, I did the interviews for the True Colour track walk on the Sunday morning, and uh, I have to say that even in the face of adversity, I do admire James Courtney's sense of humour, because I, I think I said something along the lines of, well, it was a, a pretty tough race to you yesterday, mate, and he took that as the uh, opportunity to have a stab at my choice of rugby league team when he said, well, um, at least we scored more points than what the Parramatta Reels are on at the moment or something along those lines. So um, it's good to say that James can still have a, a smile even with um, the lack of competitiveness in that team at the moment. Mm. Uh, of course, the interesting thing about the those two cars that we spoke about Courtney having contact with last year, uh, they've they were both supposed to be sponsors of, of Walkinshaw this year. Super Cheap Auto obviously been on been the third car last year and moving to Pro Drive Operation, and Monster Energy, which was rumoured to be the major sponsor of HRT this year, going to Cameron Waters. So I think the the crisis goes beyond just the on track performance. I think there's also some uh, 
problems with the commercial department. Oh, conspiracy theory there that they're just hitting teams that poach their sponsors. Oh, irony. <laughs> no conspiracy there. I, I don't subscribe to them. Often. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's an interesting position that, that they are in, though, that is for sure. And, uh, well, Team Penske, that Dick Johnson Team Penske, Fabian Coulthard, is the only Queensland driver on the podium. And uh, uh, once again... Up and down days, and that's what we saw with Shane Van Gisbergen as well. It, you know, poor qualifying, good qualifying. And the, that up and down nature of their performance, it, one, it, it's frustrating for everyone, but two, it does then make um, everyone wonder about where the program is if they're lightning quick one day and, and slow the next, Lockie, or vice versa. Well... I think in a lot of respects we sort of expected this sort of form from DJR Team Penske. After all, it's only the second season that the Penske name's been involved in the Supercars Championship and it was always going to be a learning experience for them. I think you'd have to say that on the whole they have improved compared to last year, certainly speed-wise. What they're lacking at the moment is a bit of consistency and that's what we see so often when new teams get involved in any form of motorsport. So they're still very much learning. They're still working out how to best set their cars up for each particular circuit. Um, but, you know, I think their they're learning progression is on an upward traje- trajectory, if I can get that word out. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I get the feeling that as the year goes on, we might see them a bit more consistently toward the front. And not to mention moving to two cars uh, in just their second year, it's it's going to take its toll at some point. And I think that, you know, on a good day, you're going to see some great results, but a bad day is going to be a really bad day in that situation. Well, ahead of the break, it's Winterbottom, McLaughlin, Wincup still in third. And I'll tell you about a chat I had with Jamie Wincup after the break. Lowndes, Van Gisburn round out the five, then it's Davison Slade up to seventh. Garth Tander still sits in eighth position. And then it's Rick Kelly and Michael Caruso, so two Nissans also in the top ten. We'll have more on Inside Supercars right after this. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh... Thanks, thanks everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Lachlan Mantle and Tom Wordsley. And I had a chat to Jamie Winkup, and obviously he wasn't, you know, he wasn't thrilled about the weekend, but knows that um, he still bags, you know, some points. And, yeah, more than Parramatta has probably is a fair, is a fair call at times. But... Lockie, it's interesting to see the way he's driving now. I think this is probably the loosest and the most comfortable I've seen him drive in his career. He seems to actually be um, enjoying himself in the car. And 
I think the scary thing for everybody else in the field at the moment is that Jamie Winkup has not delivered anywhere near what we know that he's capable of this year, and yet he's still well inside the top three in the championship and not very far at all behind the points lead. He's one driver, um, and I've had a chat to a few other people in the media about this. If, if one driver can start stringing some wins together over the next few events, then that could really set up a, a tilt at this championship just because of the fact that we've had so many different winners and no one driver's really taken control. And I think Jamie Winkup is, could well be that driver who starts stringing some wins together um, and really starts dominating. So, um, yeah, if I was any other driver in the field, I'd be a bit concerned at the moment about um, what Winkup might be capable of. I'd, I'd be concerned about the two guys behind him as well. You've got Craig Lowndes and Shane Van Gisberg, and I think that once Triple Eight, um, you know, massages the the three car model, I think all three are going to be very dangerous. Um, you know, Wincup's thirty six points off the lead, and Shane Van Gisbergen um, is only eighty six points off the lead at the moment, with Lowndes in between. Uh, what we've seen from Van Gisbergen in previous years is a bit of a slump around this time of year. Um, and keep in mind that in 2014, he was second in the championship. And at this roughly this point in the year, he was sitting fifth. So if he starts to string together some consistency, which is something he's, he's lacked in the last three rounds, I think he's going to be one to watch out for as well. And I think... His uh, his stable mate is only going to get stronger as uh, you know, I think there's going to be a, a, a really strong showing from the two Red Bull cars once they start working together a bit better. Mm. Now another name I want to throw up because this guy was really on a high when I spoke to him at the end of the weekend and that's David Reynolds. Now David and the Erebus uh, Holden, they came home in six on Sunday and David... And you'll hear David's interview, in fact, in our interview shows coming up in the next um, week or, or next couple of weeks, in fact. But David was on a real high. He feels like this is the start of them getting things together. And once again, we're talking about a, a, a new team, even though it's, uh, of course, the same Erebus, if you like. Well, he qualified 17th and he drove through to 6th. And it was probably the drive of the weekend for mine in the supercars because overtaking we saw on the new surface proved to be very difficult over the course of the weekend. Um, so David Reynolds was one of the few drivers who was actually able to pass cars. So obviously whatever setup changes they made to that Erebus Commodore between qualifying and the race on Sunday, they nailed it because he was setting some of the fastest laps of the race and... Um, pulled off some uh, pretty spectacular moves. So that was good to see. David Reynolds, one of the great characters of the championship, finally looking racy, and time will tell whether it's a flash in the pan or whether it is actually the start of that car and that driver combination performing up the front on a more regular basis. Tom? I think, I think it's interesting. You've, you see him go from the worst results of his year to the second best of his year overnight. And 
uh, if you look back at at the start of the year for Erebus, they um, you know they finished 19th, which at that point was their worst in race two, and then had their best result of fifth at uh, in race three. So I think what we're seeing from Erebus is they're making mistakes, but far out, they're learning quickly from them. Mm. And, of course, at the other end of the field, there's a few sad stories. I've got a big story uh, that we're going to break next week on the show with Lee Holsworth. But Nick Perkett, didn't he have just wretched luck, you know, having to change an engine on Saturday morning to effectively put in an engine that seemed slower than the blown-up one? You have to feel for him. It's been a roller coaster of a year. You know, the the Clipsal winner, everyone thinking that maybe LDM has got something this year and then then falling back into uh into old ways of, of having lots of dramas and, and sad stories. Mm. And uh Lockie, any other drives of the weekend that you do want to point out? Um I thought Taz Douglas's performance in the Kumo series was pretty impressive. <laughs> um, uh, apart from that, I mean, who else is there? I mean, it was Tim Slane's weekend. He he really owned the weekend in terms of, you know, dominating both races. Um, uh, an honourable mention as well to Fabian Coulthard. We talked about how he came third in the Sunday race, but he also set the new race lap records for the supercars around... Winton, which was set in the Saturday race. Lap times on the new surface, we expected them to be quick, but they were astronomically fast all weekend, um, both in the, the supercars and in the support categories. We were seeing times that were three seconds faster than what categories had achieved before. So um, probably the other notable uh, point to mention is just how low the tyre degradation was over the weekend. Like, it's unbelievable. Um, how lap times were staying pretty much consistent over 30-plus laps. You had drivers recording personal best lap times after 30 laps on a set of soft tyres. Um, so it's probably the lowest tyre degradation that we've ever seen. On soft, It was almost like a hard tyre race. Mm. Um, and I think if that's an argument for maybe the introduction of a super soft compound tyre into the championship, then that's it right now because from a strategy and entertainment perspective, you'd almost say that the tyre degradation was too low and didn't open up enough strategic variation. Mm. Well, I mean, if, sorry, Tom. If you, look, if you look at the racing that we had in Perth where tyre degradation was just dropping off, you know, it, I think uh, this is the problem when we go to these billiard, pristine, resurfaced tracks. The first couple of years, it does take a little bit of the character out of it. I'm sure the drivers were absolutely loving having the grip, but it was probably the um, the least passing we've seen at at this point all year. You know, we've had some great racing. There was really good stories to come out of the weekend, but the racing I I don't think was near as good as what we've seen at, at the other rounds, and I think that's because the 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 lack of the tyre variable. Mm. Yeah, it, it will be interesting. And, of course, uh, uh, vets, uh, sorry, supercars were going to uh, do a tyre test on Monday at Winton. That got cancelled, which meant that uh, 
if uh, Pro Drive Racing Australia have to come back on Tuesday, or well, came back on Tuesday, I should say, to do their ride day because they were remarked, I think, for some tyre testing. Um, I do know that the Super Softs are going to be tested at the end of the month. Um, and so, you know, I think it is a fait accompli that we will have Super Softs in the not too distant future, but I doubt very much it'll be t- uh, a year with a six at the end of it. Uh, and uh, rightly so. I, I think the one thing that I really like that Supercars has gone away from is changing the rules mid, mid-year. Minor tweaks are all right, but when you go in and completely change the tyre uh, allocation for rounds, it messes with it. Mm. All right, a break here on Inside Supercars. Oh, I, I didn't even, we haven't even got to the Toyota 86s. Um, such is how busy last weekend was. But a break on Inside Supercars, then a final thought or observation, and of course, who would you rather be here on Inside Supercars? Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to the show as we uh, get to wind things up. Lachlan Mansell, a final thought or observation? Um, yeah, on the Toyota 86 series, um, actually, my, my final thought sort of went into two parts. So part one, Toyota 86 series, we've seen the rise and fall and, you know, introduction and demise of one-make series over the years, like the MG series and... Lotus series and the Mini Challenge. Um, but this Toyota 86 series, 38 cars, manufacturer support, run by Neil Crompton and um, his uh, sidekick, Phil Harrison. Um, what a professional, well-run series this is looking like it's going to be. Um, and, you know, the quality of the racing over the weekend, it was entertaining. The driving standards overall, there are a couple of incidents but with that number of cars you're going to expect that. Um, and some standout talents as well, like Cameron Hill, last year's Formula Ford champion, who, um, you know, drove extremely well, but also some drivers like Tim Brooks, who came second overall for the weekend, who um, a lot of people might not have heard of him, but uh, I've called him in state Formula V racing for the last few years, and I knew from his performances in that that he was a good driver. So for, for people like that to get the opportunity to perform in a series that has national level exposure just absolutely fantastic so a big thumbs up to the Toyota 86 series it looks like it's actually going to become a um, well respected part of the Australian motorsport landscape so full credit to Toyota to Neil Crompton and his team at Airtime Autosports for getting it off the ground so that's part one of my final thought part two is um, that I think the reason Craig that you got Tom and myself on the show tonight is because Pretty much everybody else in the motorsport media is over at the Indy 500 this weekend. Um, and I'm sure that the bastards are going to be posting updates all over social media to remind them um, what a good time they're having and make us all very jealous. Mm, all right. 
Tom Hurdley, uh, final thought. Uh, my final thought is uh, is actually with the Queensland teams. Uh, I think what we've seen this year, we've had a very, very southern stacked calendar uh, for the first half of this year. So I'm sure that those guys are going to be loving the second half of the year and not having to trek up and down the Hume Highway and the, and the M1 between uh, Brisbane and... Uh, essentially Victoria four times and perhaps uh, that's the reason that we only saw one Queensland team on the podium all weekend that they're all just a little bit fatigued. Well it'd be interesting to do they on which side of the boom gate that Tony Cochran wants to put in at the Gold Coast would they be on? Um, I'm sure Tony would like to get a bit more money out of supercars if he could. Uh, Guys the game that is rocking the nation who would you rather be? And Lockie, since you brought it up, Lachlan Mansell, would you rather be Dale Wood, who's going to Bali with the family, or Fabian Coulthard, who's going to be taking a third-place trophy to Mr Penske? Oh, no competition for that one. Absolutely Fabian Coulthard, because not only is he taking a third-place trophy over to Roger Penske, he's going to the world's... Um, greatest motor race, the Indy 500, and uh, very um, uh, nicely accompanied by his lovely partner, Becky Lamb, as well. So absolutely no competition for that one. Who would you rather be, Tom Wordsley, as we wrap this one up? Would you rather be David Reynolds, who finished the weekend into the first long break of the year on a high, or Nick Perkett, who certainly had a low? I think I probably want to be... David Reynolds in that point because you've got um, you've got a couple of weeks to think about how good things are and and how to keep it going as opposed to sitting there ruining ruining over a bad result and um, working out how to turn it around. Mm. Well, Tom, great to have you back on the show now that you're out of uh, manufacturer land, as it were, and uh, we'll be looking forward to chatting you throughout the rest of the season. I look forward to it. And Lachlan, always a pleasure to catch up with you. I b- believe. Wakefield Park, a couple of quiet weeks before you get back into the big stuff up there at uh, New South Wales Premier Circuit. Yeah, indeed. Actually, the next uh, big event for me will be the Shannon's Nationals round at Winton, which is coming up in a few weeks' time. So, actually, uh, a few busy weekends in a row at at Winton. Um, And, yeah, looking forward to seeing if the Formula 3 cars can actually break the outright lap record around Winton on the new surface. Mm. Well, that's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.